Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. So it is extremely good to be here this morning. I, uh, I never take it lightly to be able to come up here and speak to you and just to be able to share what Holy Spirit's putting on my heart. It's a, it's anybody that's ever been any kind of preacher, speaker, anything like that. There's almost, it feels good to just be able to release what you've been seated in for so long. And, and, you know, you write and he's saying something good. It's great to share it, you know, to someone at lunch, but it's so great to be able to get up here and just, I feel like he's put this on my, on, on me and I want to get it out to you. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for this opportunity. However, I'm also extremely thankful that because I have faithful men like Benjamin Nicholson over there, that I can have the opportunity to break away with my boys and go camping and stuff. So um, that was also extremely good and awesome for us. And I just want to say something that's just on my heart, and and I think it really helps segue into what I believe Yahweh's put on my heart, is I don't know, there, there's so many people that, that honor us, me and Eva, they honor us, and, and all of you, we're super honored by you. If, if nothing else, that you're going to sit here and listen to me for the next three hours. It's going to be a long message. Just kidding. Uh, but that you would come, that you would hear, that you trust my voice, that you that, that honors me, for sure. Um, but I, I just want to highlight Benjamin, because Benjamin, there, there's a lot of us that have to kind of manufacture honor, or we have to kind of do honor by the book in order to just let honor come. I know I should do this. This would honor him. I'm going to do it. That's all good. But there's something about someone who is just, it's just innate. He can't help it. You know, just basic things. And, and this is tough for me because I don't, I, I'm, I'm the opposite. Anybody that knows me, it, I'm, I, I don't shy away from, but I don't like the whole spotlight thing. I don't necessarily like to just get up here and speak all the time. I don't like, you know, Eva and I kind of cringe when someone gets up here and says stuff about us. And that's not false humility. It's just kind of like naturally how we are. We just never saw this. And so, but we are learning to be able to receive honor because I believe there's necessity to the order of that and how we function as a tribe and how we function in the kingdom. And Benjamin, one of the things that he does that's just so amazing is every time he speaks, the first thing he does is thank me for the, the platform. Now, there is nobody that is in this room today that I've ever had speak that hasn't honored me that way. There's no, like, that's, it's, it's solid. But I have back in the day had sometimes where I did have people come and they couldn't even speak my name on the platform. <laughs> and if you can't even speak the name of the person who gave you the opportunity to speak, then you should not be standing up on this platform. And I'm very protective over who I allow to do that anymore. You know, the whole thing of, why don't we have more testimonies? Why doesn't Joseph open up this mic all the time? Well, it's here, and sometimes Holy Spirit does flow in that manner. But if you have a testimony that's just burning so hard that you feel like the entire tribe should hear it, why don't you come share it with me first, and then let me protect this thing and what comes out to all these people who have trusted me to lead before you come up here and just share what you believe is right for everybody else. There's a difference between being anointed to speak and being called to speak over a tribe. So there's people that can be anointed and they're really good, you're gifted. There's 
preachers out here, I mean, these two right here, Steve and Robert Allen, could get up here and preach circles around me from the Bible. Like, they, they know things, they understand things, they, but they're, they under, also understand that this is something I'm called to, that Yahweh has set me apart for this purpose. So, you have to be able to trust me. And Benjamin comes up first, and he always recognizes me. Super amazing. Anywhere you go, whether it's this church, another church, someone's home, you should always recognize the leadership and, and honor them with your, with your words and thanking them. I think that's super vital, super important. Secondly, there's a lot of people that can say that you honor someone. I can say, you know, Samuel, I honor you. And I do, but I can just say that. But how? What, what is it that, what is, it that you, is actually flowing out of you that is proof there's honor there? Benjamin, one of the things that he does that is so vital and so key to this thing of honor is Benjamin, when he gets up here, I can promise you, this man could lead us on a journey with the threes, the fives, the sevens, the eights, the nines, the twelves. We could be in the glory cloud in a moment. He could talk about the train of his robe and all these different things that really gets his gears going and say all these amazing things that would be great. But more than he cares about himself, he cares about the ongoing work of this ministry and this tribe. And he recognizes where he fits in that equation. And so what he does is he comes in here and he says, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that might listen to this word. But Benjamin, I promise you, on, on Tuesday through Friday, probably Saturday, has his earbuds in and is constantly rehearsing. Not because he's about to speak. Benjamin, you don't get that much time to speak anymore. Because we're in a certain flow of how things are, I, I believe, Yahweh's guiding us. And that's just not where we're at right now. But when he does speak now, it's not this flow of just what am I going to say? What's my revelation? It's what is Holy Spirit speaking through to this house? And let me get in with that and let, let me be in unity with that and honor Mark, honor Joseph and Eva, honor this house, honor you, honor Yahweh by speaking what is being spoken in this house. The man got up here. I listened to the word and first off, amazing. Amazing. He didn't repeat just what I've said. That's not that's not honor. Doing what I do, saying it how I say it, doing everything exactly the way that that that's that's just conformity. We're not looking for that. There's unity in being giving something that Holy Spirit speaking and doing through your own light, through your own vision, resonating through your own spirit and making it come off in a in a completely beautiful, different, awesome way. And that's exactly what you do. And instead of taking from the Word, you season the Word, and you make it even more powerful to this tribe. It's what these guys do when they write songs, not because they could... They could I mean, David write a song about a stand or whatever, a butterfly. And he probably has a great song about a butterfly. But what he does, what, what Jonathan and, and David and these guys do is they come in and, they, and they, they, see, they listen to the word of the house. They rehearse the word of the house. They rehearse the things that Yahweh's speaking here. And they turn that into their own form of creativity. And they reinforce that to us so that we have it in a different form to continue to continually chew on and rehearse and, and, and it to become a part of us. That is honoring the word of the house. Not just saying that was a good word. Now, let's go to Revelation. No, it's all about the action of honor. And see, here's the thing, is that I believe, and you can, I'm not just talking about preaching and everything else. I'm, this, 
this is a platform in which I can speak from and a, a kind of an analogy I guess I can give you. But there are many people I think naturally want the glory of Yahweh within their lives. There's glory in getting up here for some people, not, not necessarily for me, but a lot of people, I don't get it, but they love to speak. They love to be in the spotlight. They love that. They love that glory. But I can tell you that glory will never come. True glory, authentic glory that is actually satisfying, that is actually exalting, never comes without first honor. And that comes within a job. That comes within a, a place of business that you walk into and you might not like their food whenever you sit down to eat and you dishonor them by running your mouth and acting terrible in there. You're not, you're, you're not going to have, there, there's no way that Yahweh is going to bring his goodness, his glory into your life if you're not a person, a man, a woman of honor. And the thing about honor and glory is that they're the exact same thing. It's weird. Biblically, Hebraically, the word is kavod, which means honor and glory. But Yahweh many times separates the two. But the word's the same. So anywhere you see glory in the Bible, there's also honor. And anywhere you see honor in the Bible, there's also glory. Because one cannot exist without the other. So if His goodness is ever going to come, there has to be an equal measure of honor in that situation. It's why Yahweh puts leaders in our lives. It's why Yahweh puts situations in our lives to be able to honor so that then that gives us access, an access point for glory to come in that situation. I'll give you an example. Here, Jonathan has become the worship leader. Now, Jonathan's worship leading style is completely different than some of the other ones that we've had lead. So where other people might be like, you know what, we might not need practice. It's all about the it's all about the presence. So let's just come in here and let's just we'll get here at eight. We'll play a little bit and then we'll we'll worship with everybody. Someone might be good with that. And there are some bands that probably flow and function amazing and are excellent by just doing that. But Jonathan says, no, we're going to get here Thursdays at six, six. We get here Thursdays at 6, and he lays out, listen, guys, in order for this to be effective, what I need is I need you here Thursdays. I need you here tuned, uh, batteries charged, whatever you need. I need it done, ready to go by 6. If someone is constantly late to that, if someone is constantly not tuned, if someone is coming at that apathetically, you will notice that on a Sunday morning when they play. And then it becomes the leader's responsibility to say, is this worth, do, do, can, I, can, can I work on that hard enough to make you become a man of honor, a woman of honor, so that we can be excellent? But when they all start operating based on the honor of the leader that they've been given, excellence and glory starts to flood into that place. So if Jonathan said at, on Thursdays at 6 o'clock, I want you to all wear orange shirts. There's a level of, you know, honor here. So I would be like, Jonathan, I don't know if you're the man to the job anymore. But if that was what he defined as honor in that situation, that is what is required in order for the glory to come. Because glory doesn't exist outside of honor. And honor doesn't exist outside of the glory. They are one and the same. They flow together. And they're always defined by the one who is the head. See, a lot of us know the definition of glory. We know what it looks like in our own lives. 
And so what we do is we try to glorify something. We try to get, or we try to uh, honor something. We try to to give um, give our definition of honor in a situation towards an individual, uh, a boss, uh, um, a, a wife, a spouse. It, it, we try to dictate how to honor someone based on how we feel it's right, and that is not honor. If it's not honoring the person who you are trying to honor, does this make super simple sense? Then it's not honor at all. You're actually just glorifying yourself. So there's a love languages book, you know, that everybody has said to read and everything. I don't really need to read it because my wife tells me, this is how you love me. Do not throw your basketball clothes on the floor when you come in. Every single week, we're working on it. Help here. I, I, it, it's not more, it's not about presence and all that kind of stuff, but it's about more about things that you do. That's what honors me. That's what shows me your love. So for me to say, yeah, but I just bought you this nice ring from Tiffany's, which still would be good. But if I if I said this is what I'm this is what I'm going to give to you because I honor you, but my basketball clothes are still on the floor, I have not honored. I've tried to receive glory. Does that make sense? So leaders and relationships and things are in our lives so that we can actually honor. So that it can be a gateway into glory. And if you ever want glory to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea, you're going to have to be in a place of honor to be an access point for that glory to come. It's the truth. I want to bring out the Bible here so you believe me. Let's read out of Genesis 4, verse 1. I'm reading out the New King James Version. Very familiar story, but I just want to show you something out of this. There's all kinds of revelations in this and, and everything else, you know. It's, it's a, there's a lot here, but I want to focus on one specific thing, and that is honor. And we do not, I can promise you this, we don't need a new definition of honor. We don't need another definition. We don't really need another message of honor. But what I'm looking for here and what I'm looking for in my own life and in this tribe and us moving forward and believers all together is that we become people of honor, a culture of honor, back and forth. Not just one person, but we become a culture of honor and we actually express it, not define it. All right, so verse 1 says this, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? 
He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Obviously, Yahweh had defined honor in the situation. One thing first. First. I want want the first. That's what's going to honor me. Cain, it says, in the process of time, gave his offering. The only reason one is accepted and one isn't is based on the honor that was defined in the first place. He said first, and you brought in the process of time. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people that want to do the whole in the process of time to make that offering and that 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 giving or whatever that thing might be more fragrant, look nicer, be more packaged better. And in, in the process of time, this will come and I will honor you. And he doesn't say that. He says first. First, it's the role of a leader to define the honor. And I'll give you an example. Here we go. So the difference between Apostle F. Nolan Ball and Joseph Gerlaes. To Apostle Ball, I remember one time he we were sitting there. and I mean, if you ever listen to him speak, if you go back and listen to a tape of his, uh, you just remember something that he said. If you've ever been in that setting and listened to Apostle Ball, it is hard not to listen to that man speak and not feel the presence of Yahweh, hear the truth in his voice. And a lot of people get caught up in all these hard sides of Apostle and what he did, and, and they, they judge him according to that, and he was, he was exactly who he needed to be. But what he would do is he would speak, and it's hard not to respond to the beauty of the Holy Spirit, pure Holy Spirit flowing through him as an oracle of Yahweh. And so we got to the point, like, you're sitting there, and you're just like, yes, amen, come into agreement with that, yes. Yes. And one day, Apostle's speaking, and he told us all, I don't need your amen. I need you to sit down and shut up and listen. What did he do? He defined what honored him in that moment. Now, let's go over here to Joseph Gerlez. If you're sitting there and just staring at me, I see no glory, no honor in that. I feel like a performer up here in this all by myself. And what I like and what I believe in is that you come into an agreement, a mon, a men, with the words that are being spoken because I believe that is coming into a place of you receiving it truly and, and having an expression of receiving it, not just saying you receive it. I, I think that that's a, I, I believe that that's great. That's what honors me. Right? So I've defined what honor looks like. It doesn't mean everything I say, you have to say amen, do whatever. But what I'm saying is as a group, as a culture, as a tribe, my definition of honor is this life feeling, this life uh, flowing, this be vocal, be active, be a part of this and not just make me a, a performer, you know, reading you scripture. That's how I feel. Neither one of them is wrong because it's just a definition of honor. So then... Let me give you another example of, of the two of us who are so alike. I don't care if you wear a hat in this building. Doesn't doesn't bother me. I I just don't. It, I I don't know what to tell you. Maybe it's because I don't have a military background. Maybe it's just that you know uh, styles change, things change. Like 
I don't care. And I remember a day where Apostle Paul said, you basically are dishonoring me as a man if you're not dressed in a suit. Like, you men need to show up in excellence. This is what I see as excellence. For me, I'm in a different place where that's not really what I, I don't care about that. That that part doesn't bother me. One time whenever I was a little, I, I think I was probably like maybe 13 or something, probably 13. And I always like to just push the, the envelope just a little bit. So I wanted to get my ear pierced. And it, it, things, things change. It's like back then, that was like ridiculous. Don't get your ears pierced. Are you serious? That's what girls do. And then it went into this time of like, oh, guys, get their ears pierced. You got Denzel Washington, Michael Jordan, all these cool guys that are just like look sharp, but they got their ears pierced. And it was cool, cool, cool. And then we came back to the cycle of, don't do that. <laughs> but in that time, it was, uh, don't do that. And I, but I had seen some things I liked. I liked the way it looked. I wanted to do it. None of my friends had it at the time. So I asked my parents, and they said no. And I asked again. They said no. I'm very persistent. I asked again, and my dad said, you know what? If I was your age, you know, actually, even now, if I could, it would be received. I'd probably grow my hair out long and get an earring. <laughs> I think my uncle said the same thing. But I asked him, and he said, you know, son, you are a faithful, good son who's obedient, and you have my heart, and I don't care if you get an earring. That's fine. Wait until I think you're 13. And I think, Mimi, you took me to get it because they were out of town. Because I turned 13, and I was like, y'all might be out of town, but I'm going to get my ears pierced. So that's super cool. You go in there and make your grandmother take you to get your ear pierced. I can promise you I was strutting out of that place, looking good, out of Claire's. My new ear piercing and my, my kit to make sure I keep it clean. Just cool as I mean, you got me and you got Denzel Washington. I mean, equal. So, so I was stoked. And in this time, I was playing music on, on the stage on Sundays. I got to play guitar. I was just really getting into guitar. And I'd gotten that spot. I loved that spot. I loved doing that. I loved being a part of that. And I was told, because this was what the kind of like, at the time, this is how things go. That's awesome. I'm glad you got that. But I, we can't let you play on stage. Because that's, Apostle's not good with that. So you can't have an earring and be a part of the worship team. I was devastated. Devastated. Just, it really just, I didn't understand it. It bothered me. Whatever I was telling my dad. My dad said, Mark, I want you to go and talk to Apostle. And I was like, please. I don't know if I want an earring anymore. This is ridiculous. So I go into Apostle's office and I, I set up a meeting and I go into Apostle's office and I tell him what happened. And he said, you know, I don't know why grown men wear shorts. What is wrong with them? A man should wear slacks, period. I don't care. You know, I see Jerry out here and he's got his boots and his shorts. And so I don't, you, if you're a grown man, you should wear slacks. Jeans are for young men and then boys can wear shorts, but it shouldn't be any mixture in that. And I was like, well, this is going great. But he said, but that's me. That's how I feel about it. 
And he said, you don't have to agree with me on that. You, you don't have to. I, I want you to, to be you. And I realized that generations change culturally, stylistically, things change. And he said, and I get that. And I don't expect men not to wear shorts. And I don't, I, it's just my preference. And he said, so let me just, can I say this to you, Mark? I want you to stay in, on the worship team. I want you to keep doing that. He said, and I'm going to ask you to do two things. Or I'm going to tell you to do two things if you want to be a part of the worship team. The apostle can ask, and it's basically like him telling you. It's just that tone. But he said, I ask you that when you go onto my stage, you take your earring off. He said, but I also ask you to keep it in your pocket. And when you get off of my stage, I ask you to put it back in. What a powerful, cool thing to say to a 13-year-old who just got his ear pierced like Denzel Washington. Because what he's saying is the heart is absolutely right. There's, there's, no, there's nothing wrong in your heart. You, you're, you're a boy that wants to come be a part of the worship team, part of this ministry. You're, you're, you're on fire and excited about things, and then you got your ears pierced. We're talking about natural and spiritual. The heart is good, but he defined honor for me so I could be a, a kid of dishonor and say, you know what? That's ridiculous. I want to get my ears pierced. I'm just going to have my ears pierced and y'all can have the worship team thing. Or he provided as a leader a great definition of what would honor him, both for me to take my earring out and put it back in. One of the greatest, awesome, coolest stories for me of a leader defining honor in my own life. So, so good. So I want to speak to you very bluntly this morning because I'm not a tactful preacher. I just don't have it. I don't want to mix words. I don't want to try to be like sly and have an idea of what I want to accomplish. So I'm going to kind of stay over here enough, get close enough to where you know what I'm talking about. And then maybe you'll be convicted and I'll get the right result. No, I want to clearly as a leader define honor in this house. I want you to understand areas where I feel like maybe there has lacked some honor and there needs to be more honor. There needs to be an opportunity, a definition of honor for us to be able to release the glory that we need in this day and in this tribe, period. That's my goal. So I'm not asking you to agree with everything. I'm not asking you to like everything. I'm not asking you to do anything except understand that the truth does not condemn. The truth sets you free. So I'm asking that your heart just be open. In fact, Yahweh, I just lift your hands real quick. Yahweh, I'm just asking you that in this last little bit of something I have to say that you've given me to say, that you help me to articulate your word and not my word, your opinion in the matter and not my opinion in the matter. And I ask that you touch every heart this morning to open up and to receive this with a pure and clear heart and understand the motive behind it, understand the reasoning behind it, understand everything that you want deposited into their heart so that ultimately this becomes more glory and more of you and less of us. Declare this in the nature of Yeshua. Amen. Alright, so I think that there is absolute, the best thing, best revelation I've ever received the, the best thing I've ever heard and the thing that's been the most life-changing for me in my own personal life and probably my family's life is the revelation of the nature of Abba, of, of being able to go from Yahweh Almighty God, 
this this amazing creator of all things, heaven and earth, and the one that we just worship and, and revere and adore, and we, we he, he's done everything, sees me as son, and I can call him Papa, like Yeshua did. When he told him how to pray, he said, Our Father. There's one that unifies us, and it's not any kind of politician, it's not any kind of, uh, of, of law that we could put into place to make sure things are equal. It's that Yeshua is our brother, and He lives within us, and that Yahweh is Abba, that He's our God. And the love that He has for us is inescapable. Because when you say Yahweh Almighty God, it makes Him this far-off being that could smite you at any point. You read the Old Testament, and you see these things, and you start to equate them to like, well, they just like ate the wrong bread. But then Yeshua comes on the scene. It changes everything. It changes the whole landscape of how this thing works. Brings us back to a place of the garden and relationship and communion. And things are just absolutely, completely different. And so we get this opportunity, this invitation by Yeshua, through Yeshua, to see Yahweh Almighty God, who created everything, as Papa, as Father, as my Father. And understand that if that revelation shifts in your mind, you start to see it as me as a daddy and how I see my kids. And I've told you this before, there's nothing, and they've tested it, there's nothing that they could do in order to get outside of my love for them. Nothing. Like, I, people won't understand it whenever you look at a, a parent and they and they're... they're is, is completely dishonoring. Their child is completely dishonoring them. They're doing all of the wrong things. They're, they're just going off their own way. They're, they're doing horrible things and making a mockery of their last name. Doing all of those things, and the parent still loves them unconditionally. The parent was like, if you, you need me, I'm there. It's, it's just within a father and within a mother. And when you start to make that shift in your mind that I could not escape that if I tried from Papa God, it will change your world. It will change your world. But it also can be dangerous. And I'll say this because, I say this simply because there's a, there's a, a correct way to respond to that. And you're either going to use it as a license for apathy a license to say, you know what, there's nothing I could do apart from, you know, His love. Like, I, I'll just, you know what, I can live my life and do what I want to do. And he, he can. And He'll love you all the same. But He doesn't desire for you, and I don't desire for my kids to strive and make it through life. I want them to be the lender and not the borrower. Above and not beneath. Happy full of joy, going out and making an impact on this planet, on this earth. I want them to be glory for not only my name and my generation and, and the faithfulness that I put into raising them, but ultimately for Abba, that He flows through them and their vessels of His glory wherever they go. I want those things for them. But if they don't become that, I will help them. I will love them. It's the same thing with us. And I believe Christians all around, they want to talk about how much Yahweh loves them, and they just want to keep going week after week after week doing the same thing. And what do you see at churches? Week after week 
everything trending down. People don't give as much. People don't come as much. People aren't as interested. This generation is different than that generation. And everything starts to flow further down. But that's not what we're a part of. And the kingdom never decreases. It only increases. It is the ever-increasing kingdom, and it goes from glory to glory to glory. The problem is, is that leaders have not been able to define what honor looks like in a natural sense in order to be a gateway into the tribe, into the church, being able to receive the glory it was designed for. So, my opportunity, my, my, what I have got to do is, is take some of these things that I'm starting to see as lack of honor or, or a decline in honor in any way and start to define those things to make sure that I set us up for the kind of glory we're intended to experience in this house. Amen? Tithe and offering. Let's go to Malachi. Because let me say this. The time is now. The day of the just getting by is over. We are called to walk in prosperity and power. We are to be fruitful and to multiply, to be lenders and not borrowers, to, be, to walk in health and not sickness, to be filled with faith and not fear, to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, to be people of righteousness, peace, and joy, to be filled with hope and confidence. The casual days of Christianity have come to an end. There is no longer fruit that will come from that tree. The kingdom of God is not a hobby, an interest, or a crutch. It is not something you simply do as a morning devotional or a Sunday church service. It is a new life that requires a new lifestyle. It is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and the time is now. Unless you're not giving your time. If you're not giving, if you're not a giver, don't call yourself a son. It's just the truth, straight up. This service is not intended to grow the church by number. This is intended to grow the tribe into what we're supposed to be, period. It's, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to be above and not beneath. So the Bible says this. It says, this is uh, chapter 3 in Malachi, verse 10. It says, bring all of the tithes into the storehouse. Your Bible might say temple. If you got a more updated church, one, it might say church. That there might be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor shall vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. That's what he says about tithing. And you can go and say, well, that's Old Testament, and here's the stuff I hear. Well, that's, that's Old Testament. Excuse my Christian cussing. That's crap. I mean, that's, it, it's, it's, it's a lie. It's a lie we tell ourselves to try to be free and we're just putting ourselves in bondage. We're not allowing ourselves to have access into what he's trying to bring. Yahweh defined the honor. I'm upholding the honor and we're going to receive the glory that is due to the house that is faithful in some of these little things. Bottom line, straight up, 
It's 10% of your increase, the gross, not the net. If you get $500, you tithe off of $500. No, you don't pay the government what they're due and then, you know, take care of all of your expenses and then what you have left over. It's never about the amount. Ask the poor woman who only put in a few pieces. It put Yeshua in awe because it was all about the heart of what she was doing. It was about that she gave what she had to give. And faithfulness. Meanwhile, you got these rich people coming by, throwing all this stuff in. And, and there's nothing wrong with being rich. But it had become that well-worn rut in the road. And if you are faithful in your giving, awesome. Bless you. Let's become even more faithful. Let's not just say we stop here. What else is he showing you to give? At least the tithe. And, you know, the people that say it's Old Testament, there's a story where Yeshua is body slamming some Pharisees, which is his favorite pastime. And he's talking to them about the tithe. And he's saying, you know, you're good at giving the tithe, the 10%. A lot of people use this scripture to say, see? He said, you're good at, you're good at, at, at uh, giving your tithe and, and giving 10%, but, but you, you failed to see the weight and the mercy and the, and the love that, that is actually important in this day. And they stop reading. But Yeshua then follows it up. He said, both are good. He said, don't. Basically, don't leave this and just think it's all about this. And don't make it all about this and leave this and vice versa. That there is a building upon that this thing has to go from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. And we don't build this house. We don't build the things naturally or spiritually by saying, you know, it's a little bit more difficult now that we got this good foundation to get the board driven into this rock hard thing where we could step over here to the sand and just go ahead and drive it in. We don't become wind-driven by the Holy Spirit by jumping out of the boat. We raise the standard. We raise the sails. But we, we, uh, we're thankful for the things that sustain us, that move us from glory to glory, if that makes sense. So bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. The tithe was something that Yahweh set as an establishment of honor, a definition of honor way before the law of Moses. 400 years before that, Abraham honored Melchizedek, even though he wasn't out of the Levitical order. He wasn't in that lineage, and that was what that whole came. He gave him a tent. He tithed to him because he recognized him as a king and a priest. And I say this, if you recognize me, If you recognize this house, if this has been life to you, if the words that I'm saying have ever done anything for you, and I would assume that they have, otherwise, why are you here? Honestly. Again, I'm not here to grow the church. I want that. There's nothing. Listen to me. There is absolutely nothing for me as a man naturally more exciting and more uh, fulfilling um, just in the natural than seeing every seat filled in here and seeing people. I love it. I love coming in and there's a lot of people and everybody's, you know, excited. I, that, that does something for me naturally makes me feel like things are right. But I'm not going to let that be the point because I, I, it's, there's a misconception that you being here with a heart of a taker is better than you being here at all, not being here at all. And I will argue that. I'll argue that. We are believers. We are sons and daughters. And you coming into this house, sitting in my seats, 
our seats, but first my seats. First that, from an honor standpoint, receiving from these people, these this staff that has worked hard to put this whole to, to put this whole thing on, to, to put all this stage, natural things that have to take place to make sure you're comfortable, to have lights, to have air conditioning, to have the seats you're sitting in. If you're going to come sit in here and be a taker, you should you should not be here. Now, I am not wanting you to leave. I, that's not the point. That's why I prayed, like, let's soften our hearts because truth sets you free. It doesn't, doesn't put you in bondage. It's not about condemnation. It's about convicting us, maybe, stirring some things up, tilling the soil, so to speak, so that we can step into a place of greater glory. And I cannot continue to build this thing from generation to generation if we jump ship on principles that are vital today as they were yesterday. The culture was established by Apostle Ball of being faithful givers. And I'm telling you right now that that has trended the wrong way. And I believe I know why. The definition of honor has not been placed once again. And I'm establishing that standard. I'm establishing that place. I don't care. Listen, there's other revelations. You know, well, in, at Apostle Aaron's church, they believe that, you know, you, you, you put money out there and you're trading and all that. That's I love Apostle Aaron. His revelation is incredible. Is he your apostle? If he is, go there. I'm joined to him. I love him. He's a great man in my life. I, I love Apostle I mean, Apostle Aaron. I, I love him to death. If Damon Thompson is just what feeds you and that's, that's the reason you're here is because Damon Thompson is my spiritual father, move to South Carolina. Don't be, he would tell you the same thing. Don't, if you can't trust the voice that's speaking, don't be there. And I need, and you need for everybody in this tribe to trust that I'm speaking the word of Holy Spirit for this house and this place and this time. So if you are sitting in these seats and you're tithing to another church, go to that church. Bless them with your presence, not just your gifts. Don't, don't leave one or the other. You, you, you need to be able to give into the place. And why do I say that? The Bible says this, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. If your heart is in this tribe, your treasure will be in this tribe. If your desire for this thing, this house to go from generation to generation and glory to glory is here, that's where you will give into. It's, it, it, this is not that feel-good service, but if you can receive it, I'm telling you, we are going to start to explode in the area of giving and explode in the area of receiving His glory, and financially things will shift in your life. Because I believe if the kingdom's meant to increase constantly, and something in your life is decreasing, whether it be relationship, whether it be a financial situation, or anything else, I believe this, it's a lack of trust in that area. It's a place where you have been striving to control, and you might get where you want to get, but you'll never sustain what you want. It will never be fulfilling. Look at all the business moguls that sit there and can attribute their hard work, and I'm telling you what you do. You get up at 5 a.m., and you don't sleep, and I don't have kids, and I've divorced all seven of my wives, but... I've got a lot of money in the bank. There's not glory in that. You've let the world define what the glory is, what honor is, what the standard is, and you've strived after that. But a man who walks in blessing is one who is who is planted by the rivers of living water and brings forth fruit in every single season, and everything that he does prospers. 
If we can't say that about our lives, if there's things decreasing, I can say this in my own personal life, that there have been times where that area decreased and I can attribute my trust level, everything else decreasing too. But whenever we come into agreement as a husband and wife and say, this is the most important thing to start with. If there's not glory here, we've lacked in the area of honor. And we start to shift that. Just watch. See if he won't open the floodgates of heaven and touch that situation in, in the most immeasurable, beautiful way. And you can argue scripture and theology and New Testament and Old Testament and we're in this age and they're in that age. And I, I don't care. I'm defining honor for you right now. That you don't need, you don't even have to go back to all those things. I did it for you. It's biblical. We keep going. It is biblical, but if you've perverted your mind enough to, to believe that that's, that seed time and harvest does not exist at all, like, or that there's not a thing of the, of, of tithing, like, it's a starting point. It is a principle that I believe Yahweh defined a long time ago. And you just ask people that are faithful in their tithing, make it a priority, and you look at the blessing in their lives. I promise you. I've seen it time and time and time again. I see it in my own life. I can see it in so many faithful people's lives. So, the time is now. It is. There's going to be some amazing things that break through in this place, but it would be irresponsible for me as a pastor to tell you that all these things are going to take place, but you don't have to be faithful. That, that's, that's a lie. It's, it's a lie. And like I said, this doesn't, it might not fill every seat like I want it to, but every seat that will be filled will be excellent. And every seat that, will, that is filled will be full of glory. And that's what we need. That's what the culture needs. That's what people need. They need to see us as the lender and not the borrower. And if you can't be faithful in your tithes, you just, you're not going anywhere. You will be loved. And that's great. That's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not his excellent way, his more perfect way where it just stops there. It should propel us into such glory and such goodness. Can you receive that today? got to be faithful. Faithfulness is not because you used to. It's because you're full of faith for what is taking place today. You're full of faith. Full of faith. That produces faithfulness. So, we have an amazing, amazing opportunity coming up next week. Doesn't make sense at all whatsoever. And this is separate from a tithe, right? The, the principle of being a giver, if I, I, I hear Benjamin saying this. I feel like this would be a saying of Benjamin's, but if you're not giving, you're not living. That's like how it would be in the kingdom. If you're not a giver, period, all across the board, then you're not living life and life more abundantly because that is not biblical. It's not how Yeshua lived. It's not, it, it was always abundance. He was the only one that can multiply something without taking away from something else. Most people would give, 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 and that thing decreases, decreases, decreases. If you build here, this has got to decrease. That's just how it works, but not with Yeshua. With Yeshua, it just goes from glory to glory and ever increasing, and multiplication is added to the whole situation, and that's how we were designed to walk. So we have this great opportunity to give what Yahweh, Holy Spirit, inspired in a moment to give into a house 
So, we're to give as if we were giving into this house. And the ongoing work, and the ongoing growth, and the ongoing, whether it's that building, this building, or whatever else, this is what we're giving into. I, I don't have any dog in this fight except for Holy Spirit spoke this to me, and He told me to say it to you. He said that this tribe is to give and give abundantly as if you were giving into this own work. And if you will pray about that and you will set yourself apart, He will define that number for you. And it should be abundant. It, it, it's not, Yahweh's not going to look at things and go, you know what? I know it's tough these days, so let's, let's give sparingly. Let me give you a scripture for that real quick. It's found in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. It says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or, uh, or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, say all things, may have an abundance, say abundance, for every good work. It's an area of trust. This is why I feel, and I even feel like it's prophetic that it's on the date of the hurricane. Because I believe that's where we became aware of the susceptibility that we could have to lose everything. I believe that there was a heightened awareness. It's almost like whenever uh, Adam and Eve became aware of their nakedness. There was this thing that the enemy could come in and do in a moment like that that says, look, make sure you're careful. I know you used to be abundant in that area. I think you need to scale it back because you remember how hard you got hit in the mouth. But either you trust them or you don't. Either it's about all the things or it's not. Either it's all about him and the one thing or it's not. And so I am telling you that we are to give and give abundantly. I'm going to do it the same thing. The same, I wouldn't say something to you. I'm not going to do it myself. And so I want to, I want next week to be huge. And I don't necessarily even mean by number. I believe that will, if we're faithful to hear and to listen. I don't think that will be tough. But I do not, I hope that every single person is here. I hope that you don't shy away from the opportunity. I hope that if you have something that's, you know, that, that has come up or whatever, let me know that's fine. I'm not, not trying to make this a law, but I hope you'll cancel it and still be here. And I hope that we celebrate and are cheerful givers and we make that entire service next week on 1010 about the thankfulness that we have for Abba and all that he's done. You cannot look back on your walk, on your life, on the life of this tribe and not say he was there every single second, every single moment. And I just want to come and rejoice and worship and, and glorify all that He's done. And I want to worship Him with our giving into the Word that He's given into this house. I promise you, the floodgates are going to open up in this place like we've never seen them. With my whole heart, I know and I believe. So, again, I hope this morning, I would love to just tell you, you know, glory's coming and this is how this happens. This great thing and here comes healing and all this... I believe all of those things. But if you allow this to be edification to you, if you can sense Him in every single thing, even the times where it feels like He's cutting and you might not agree, and you can trust me, because I promise you, you can trust me, then this thing's going to be glory-filled. And I hope that this edifies you and lifts you up this morning. Let's stand.
this this house is going to be absolutely marked by a culture of honor, a culture of giving, and a culture of presence. Benjamin's prophesied that we're about to experience or we're in these amazing three years of presence, but you're not going to get all of the presence without some of the principle. You have got to be able to do the line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, faithful in the little things. You have got to be able to honor in those ways and be faithful in order to open up those floodgates with the presence that we were designed to experience on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. Amen? So, Abba, we love you. We honor you. We thank you for this word. We receive this word of correction and tightening up because we believe in your word that the time is now. And so I ask that you just open our hearts and open our minds to start to see what it is that you want us to give for next week. We say yes to your invitation into this glory. We say yes to the honor that you've defined for us. And I just ask that you allow us as a tribe, as a people, to not try to put all this red tape around our money and our finances, but literally open that thing up to you and trusting you in every single aspect of our lives. And we do. And I ask that the tribe is you give them that specific thing, that specific number that specific direction in this giving and that we give intentionally. Let us be excited, build an excitement about next week. Let there be just an excitement, a desire to be present, a a desire to be able to put that money into this, this opportunity here. I ask that you bless this people this week. I thank you so much for each and every one of these sons and daughters that I get to be joined to and I get to walk with. I thank you for allowing me to to be a leader here. I thank you for allowing me to have a clear enough heart to be able to speak your word. And I I just ask that you bind us even more together with, with some of this. Of the increase of your government and peace, there will be no end. Amen. I love you guys. Y'all have a great week. Thank you for listening. For more information on The Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org.